when people think of the word submit, uh, a lot of people think of a doormat or, you know, getting walked on or not having my opinion be heard or anything like that. And as Chris said, I am, I am strong willed and I do speak my mind. (laughs) So it wasn't a, okay, now I can't tell him how I'm feeling or I can't disagree with him. It was a, okay, I need to share my thoughts and my opinions in a respectful manner. And we, we can come to a conclusion together, but you know, there are times where I have to say, okay, yeah, you go ahead and run with this one and not make myself the, the leader of the family. And biblically speaking too, you know, the Bible tells us wives respect your husbands and then husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. I look at that and I go, okay, you've got a far harder job than I do. Respect. Chris is very easy to respect. But for him to love me like Jesus loves the church, that is a far harder requirement because he has to deny himself and he has to give up his desires and his wants and his needs for me. Reboots Rough Cuts Episode 4 features Chris and Joy Copeland, a Colorado couple seeking funding to enter the mission fields of Ireland with their three boys. How they got to this point, it's a fascinating story. Hey there, you're dialed into Reboots, featuring stories about people who have been forced to start over in life or in business, all walks of life, anonymous or named, high profile or low down, stories with heart, soul, and grit. Because knowing and sharing our stories is essential for living a life of joy, experiencing healthy relationships, and impacting the world around us in a positive way. Here's your host, Tracy Winchell. Hey, Chris and Joy, thank you for inviting us into your life today. It's so good to have you on our podcast. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Yes, we are. You guys have done a lot of podcasts lately, and that will sort of become evident the reason why here in in a little bit. And you're also in the midst of a reboot, and that's a little bit unusual on our podcast because most of our reboot guests share the story of some pretty tough days in in their lives, and pretty often those reboots are not of their own volition. And yet here you guys are getting ready to embark on a major life change. So I'm really looking forward to to hearing your story. We're excited to, to share it. So the first thing that, that I like to ask people is where you share your story and why. Where we share our story? Can you explain that question? Yeah, like a lot of people share their stories with their friends, in churches, uh, in recovery meetings, gotcha. Uh, to uh, inspire other entrepreneurs, and I know one place you're sharing your story right now are a <laughs> lot of faith-based podcasts. Yeah, we've we've uh, been on two, and this is our third one we're recording, and we're recording another one Friday as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and hoping to get a few more. <laughs> why, why are you sharing your story? We are sharing our story because we are um, heading to Ireland as missionaries, and part of going to Ireland is is convincing people that it's not just a vacation spot. (laughs) And and while it is a vacation spot, um, there's actually quite a big spiritual need there, and there's a lot going on that a lot of people aren't even aware of. Most of the time when we share our story, they say, wow, I had no idea what was happening there. 
so we're excited to, to share that with people, at least if nothing else, to change their point of view. And, and also possibly if they're moved to uh, partner with us, we'd love that too. Yeah. And I'm fascinated about the whole point of Ireland. It's it's kind of a, to give a little bit of a spoiler alert, it's a little bit of a, a cultural issue and a and I'm fascinated by that for a whole lot of reasons, and and I look forward to getting into that. Yeah. the The next thing I want to want to ask is, would you say this current reboot was a moment, a coincidence, a choice, or a series of choices, or none of the above? <laughs> <laughs> I I would say it was. I I would say it actually began well when we were younger, but this reboot started with the healing part of Chris and I, our marriage, it started there because without that, we wouldn't have this part of our story. We just wouldn't be able to be physically, mentally, or spiritually strong enough, I guess, or solid enough to move overseas. <laughs> yeah. And I, that's fascinating. Um, before we actually roll tape, I, I, asked you guys if my impression is right, that a reboot in your cases begat a reboot. So tell me about what your marriage was like when it needed healing. Ooh, how much time do you have? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's just, let's just dive right in there, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. So our marriage, oh goodness. So the first five, nine years of our marriage, and we did have good times in there. But it was it was tough. It was very tough, yeah. Um, you know, they say that the first year is like the honeymoon year, I think. Is that what they say? Yeah. Our tenth year was our honeymoon yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> really? So, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. took us took us ten years to get it right. Yeah. Our our first year was tough and then um we had gone through some issues in our marriage. Not there was no affair, mm -hmm. like neither one of us had an affair, but it was pretty tough because my heart, I, I would tell Chris, you know, things like, you know, Oh, I forgive you. I forgive you. But you know, I, I don't think I ever did forgive him for the things that had happened in our marriage. And it took moving from California to Colorado and Chris saying, Hey, we need a, we need a reboot. We need a, we need a reboot. We need a fresh start. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, we would live a, a very difficult marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up, Joy. This week, I'm, I'm very active in a couple of Celebrate Recoveries, and Monday night, I taught a message on amends. And right in the middle of preparing for that message, I had a bit of a meltdown with the forgiveness and the amends process uh, regarding a friend who died rather suddenly. Mm. And so Monday night, we talked a lot about the process of forgiveness. Can can you share just a little bit about your experience with how difficult it was to forgive someone that is a fabric of your life and how you finally kind of made that work? Sure. I think for me it was when when you see that person every single day, <laughs> you kind of push the I don't forgive you aside until there's a conflict and then there's the need to forgive. But for me, I would keep bringing up the past and bringing up the hurt. And so it was a matter of, Hey, I have to, I have to make a conscious choice 
in the midst of conflict or not conflict to not bring up the past and to let it go. And it was a, a day by day process of let it go, let it go. And then when Chris had said, you know, we need to start over, it was a, uh, okay. And I think at that point I really was ready to let it go. And it wasn't a daily thing. It was just a, yeah, it's, it's time to move Hmm. forward. That's like someone who's an instant success as an author. You worked and you worked and you worked at it and nobody saw it. And then everybody thinks, hey, this came out of the middle of nowhere, right? Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. That's amazing. Thank you, Joy. So you have that process in that moment where you make some decisions to start over again in your marriage. Mm Mm-hmm. And then what happens? You make the move to Colorado? So actually, we we made the move to Colorado as kind of a, okay, we need a change. And part of it was, you know, we lived in California, Southern California, and it was getting expensive and crowded. And uh, we were like, we need to get out of here. And um, But I think God also kind of used the new environment as a way for our marriage to kind of reset and so when we got here, I remember we had a big fight uh, about something. I don't even remember what it was now. I had not um, either. <laughs> but I, I finally said at the end, I said, look, we got to, if we want to make it. And we, we had always said divorce was not in our vocabulary. And so no matter how hard it got, we were going to continue to work at it. Um, but we said, look, if we, if we want this to be good, we need to start over. And we need to kind of start from scratch and clean slate and forget the past and just move on. And we both agreed that that was what we need. And and God is good. I think it, it just kind of happened for us. It, yeah. it was almost like an overnight clean slate and we were good to go, you mm-hmm. know? And I mean, yes, we've had conflicts here and there through the years. I mean, that happens. <laughs> but um, it was it was really a new starting point for us. Wow. And God had other reasons for us to move out to Colorado, <laughs> which we discovered yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. So... I know that at some point there is a spiritual reboot occurring with each of you individually. Would each of you just kind of take a turn and talk about after you made that choice to work on your marriage, how then did you each work on your spiritual journey, your relationship with God, and how did you encourage each other in that? I think for me, the first nine years, I was struggling with how to be the spiritual leader of the family. And I think it's fair. To, I think Joy wouldn't agree or disagree with me to say that um, she is a strong-willed woman. And so it, it was easy for her. <laughs> <laughs> it was easy for her to just take the lead. And I, at one point, I remember having to say to her, look, honey, I, I think she said, uh, I need you to step up and be a spiritual leader. And I said, okay, I need you to step down and stop leading so I can lead. Oh, wow. And, and that that was kind of a, a mutual like, oh. And I think at that point, that's when I started working on like, okay, how, what does being a spiritual leader look like in our family? And and how do I do that? Obviously, in conjunction with Joy, you know, making the right decisions and mm-hmm. how, what does that look like? And how do I be the example to my, we have three uh, teenage boys. How do I be the example to them? Yeah. And it wasn't so much of when people think of the word submit, they think of a lot of people think of a doormat or, you know, getting walked on or not having my opinion be heard or anything like that. And as Chris said, I am, I am strong willed and I do speak my mind. (laughs) So it wasn't a, 
okay, now I can't tell him how I'm feeling or I can't disagree with him. It was a, okay, I need to, I need to share my thoughts and my opinions in a respectful manner. And we, we can come to a conclusion together, but you know, there are times where I have to say, okay, yeah, you go ahead and run with this one and not make myself the, the leader of the family which is a lot of responsibility and I didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, then that was going to be my next question is, so at what point did you just say, I don't want this job, you take it? I think when he told me I had to step down, (laughs) then it was a, oh, uh, because I mean, it's a, it's a struggle anyway, you know, to try and lead the family. And you hear about a lot of women, how they are the ones who set the tone spiritually for the family and, you know, I, I didn't want to set the tone spiritually. I wanted Chris to set that and for him to be stronger in that area with our boys so that they could see what an example of Christ really is and not just, oh, it's a mom thing. And so um, looking at that, I think for me it was a, okay, I, I don't want to be that type of person. I I really did want Chris to lead. So when Chris had said, you know, I said, you need to step up. He said, well, you need to step down. It was a, oh, that's going to be hard, but okay. (laughs) So it was Mm. like forgiveness. It was a daily thing that I had to remind myself, okay, I can still share my opinion, speak my mind, but allow Chris to step up. Now I've got a whole bunch of listeners who are probably didn't hear much of that past the husband is the spiritual leader of the family because they just went, what? (laughs) So let's talk about that a little bit. How does that work scripturally in terms of, you know, it's 2018 and women can do anything men can do and all of that. And I am very strong willed. Unpack that for us just a little bit now that some adrenaline, I think, has subsided between some ears listening. (laughs) (laughs) What that looks like, you mean, like, scripturally, how do you... Yes. You you know, you you guys have already established that this isn't a a dominance thing, Mm -hmm. but kind of help listeners understand that in 2018, in your marriage, why it is important that the husband is the spiritual leader of the family and why it's important for both of you to set that role. Uh, I would say it would be important for America and also for Ireland where we're heading to. A lot of the fathers and husbands are really not as engaged as they should be with their family. It's easy to go to work, do your nine to five, come home, veg out, and then you're done. But you have to realize you have a wife who has needs and, and you have kids that have uh, that need attention. And so part of that is just kind of cluing into your family and making sure that everybody's okay. And, you know, yeah, you might have had a, had a hard day at work, but if you come home and your wife's tearing her hair out, it's time to send her, you know, on a, on a coffee break and, and take over, you know, that kind of thing and not be disengaged. But, you know, on a spiritual side, it's also important to like making sure that I have my life all together spiritually, that I'm having my, you know, my devotional times, my prayer times, that I'm setting an example by being a leader in the church and by, you know, volunteering and things like that for your kids to look up to. And biblically speaking, too, you know, the Bible tells us wives respect your husbands, 
and then husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. I look at that and I go, okay, you've got a far harder job than I do. Respect, Chris is very easy to respect. So respect for him comes fairly easy, but for him to love me like Jesus loves the church, that is a far harder requirement that he has to have or he has to do because he has to deny himself and he has to give up his desires and his wants and his needs for me. And while I think, woohoo, that's great, you know, it's, it's certainly not an easy task. And that's what Jesus did. You know, he gave up his life for the for the church. He gave everything for the people of the world. And so Chris has to do that in regards to me. And I am not an easy person to love. So, no. <laughs> you know, I'm that's I'm thankful. True. And it's Aww. you know, he's got it, he just has a difficult job. And so sometimes I think when when the Bible tells us wives submit to your husbands and respect them, we forget that God places a bigger responsibility on the shoulders of the husband. And, you know, in 2018, we women nowadays kind of go, wait, you want me to submit? You want me to do what? But then we have to turn around and look at what the men are called to do. And it's it's pretty tough. So basically what you guys are telling me, if I'm hearing you right, is that in the 50s and 60s and 70s, American cultural had it wrong because submission and marriages were a whole different thing. And that mm-hmm. in 2018, maybe we still have it wrong in terms of, of the type of, of marriage that Scripture calls for. Is that fair? Yeah, I think uh, yeah. I think we're always going to be falling short and trying to get it right until yeah. Jesus returns because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're just, you know. But, I mean, you look at, at wives in the fifties, you know, um, I think of leave it to beaver. <laughs> yes, know? exactly. With June Cleaver, she's got her husband's slippers and a newspaper. He comes in from work. He sits down, he reads the paper. And then like right before bed, he has a heart to heart with beaver and you go, wait a second. <laughs> Uh, where was the interaction before that? How in the world do you have a relationship with your kid? You know, and why is the woman stuck in the kitchen waiting for her husband to come (laughs) with slippers and a newspaper, (laughs) you know? So yeah, I I would say that we pretty much are missing the mark in regards to what marriage should look like. And Chris and I, by all means, we don't have it perfect. Mm. We're still trying to figure it out after a year what, 19 mm-hmm. of being married. And so, but we're, we're committed to keep moving forward and yeah. to keep having a better marriage. And I think every day it's better than the next. I think so. That's so cool. Okay. Thanks for, for letting us take that little detour because I think that's, that's really super good, interesting information. Um, and I appreciate that. So you guys are working on your own spiritual journeys and helping each other. Your marriage is much better. You clearly defined the roles. And then kind of, how did this this thing come up? Oh, well, let's just become missionaries. How did that happen? <laughs> well, that's the fun part is that I am, um, so to, to backtrack just a tiny bit, I am on anxiety medication every day because I have severe anxiety and I am not an adventurous person at all. So moving from California to Colorado is huge, huge deal for me. 
Um, and it was a, okay, if we're moving to Colorado and I fall in love with it, then that's where we're staying forever until Jesus comes back you know, <laughs> or until we go home to be with him. And it wasn't a, hey, let's become missionaries. It was more of a me talking with Chris around our anniversary. And he was just, you know, after you're in the same type of job, if it's just a job to, you know, support your family, there's no passion behind it. And he was just kind of ready to to find out what God really had for him. So for our anniversary that year, I had said, hey, you should pray over the next year and see if God wants you to move jobs or if he just wants you to stay where you are and, you know, be used for his glory there. And Chris was like, yeah, okay, I can do that. So I spent uh, actually nine months uh, praying about this because Joy's goal was to give me, uh, give her my answer the next year uh, for our anniversary. And so I had a year to pray about it and about nine months for about nine months, I wrestled with God. And almost immediately when I started praying, I felt like he was calling us to missions. And I thought that was hilarious because I'm not a pastor, or at least I wasn't at the time. I, you know, have two degrees in business. I was working at job. I thought, what in the world is God wanting me to do in missions? And I, I also thought we just bought a house in Lakewood, Colorado, and my wife is on anxiety medication. And she's going to hate me if I come back and say, uh, "Hey, we're good. We're going to head off to missions." Is that cool? We just started fresh. What are we uh, thinking? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I really kind of pushed it aside and said, "Okay, God, what what's your plan B? What's your what's what else you got for me?" And he, I'm sure he laughed back at me and said, no, I, I need you to do missions. And so after about nine months, I finally said, okay, God, you know, I need an opportunity to talk to my wife about this and, and hopefully not have her walk out the door <laughs> after I tell her. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's funny because I did walk out the door, but not by myself. We were, we were actually at church and had decided that we were going to start doing some volunteer work outside of the church walls. We did a lot within the walls. We led Bible study groups and volunteered with the kids and things like that. But, you know, we decided as we were walking out the door of church together as a family that we should do more. And I said, you know, it's lunchtime on Sunday afternoon. And it's, I thought I was going to ask him where he wanted to go for lunch. But instead it was a, hey, do you think we missed our calling? Maybe we should have been missionaries. And um, Chris responded with a, yeah, let's go. And I was like, what now? You don't even know what you just said, did you? <laughs> no. I, I thought, wait, what did what did I just say? What words came out of my mouth? I thought I was asking where you wanted to go for lunch, you know? And um, that that is not what happened. God is funny that way. Um, when Chris had said, yeah, let's go, be missionaries, I thought, uh-uh, no. I, I don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. So I didn't talk to him about it for a week. And I spent time in prayer and just telling God he was crazy. And she's calling me to the mission field because, um, hello, God, do you know me? <laughs> Which he does, obviously. But um, And so the, the following Sunday, Chris and I did end up sitting down and talking. And he was telling me what God was really impressing on his heart. And I was like, oh, man. Well, you know, if, if God calls you to go, you go. Or you wrestle with him and you end up going in the long run, it just hurts more. <laughs> and so, you know, I don't want to be like Jacob. I don't want to walk with the limp. I don't <laughs> I want to wrestle with God. It hurts. <laughs> yeah. So we talked about it and that was a, okay, well, we better figure out what we're doing then. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then what happened? Then uh, we, talk, we talked to our boys. It was the next big thing that we that we did and said, hey, this is what we feel like God's calling us to do. And 
you know, kind of had a good conversation with them about, are they on board with this? Because if we're called, we're called as a family. And they were younger. This was about five years ago or so. Um, but they, yeah, they were on board. And so we said, okay, let's, let's figure out how to do this. Cause how do you become a missionary? I didn't have no clue. Do you, do you just go and then show up and say, okay, I'm working for God. Or do you, you know, what, how do you do this? So went to our church and, and they connected us with uh, a missions organization here in Colorado, which is, mm-hmm. I think really the reason why God had us move out to Colorado um, to get hooked up with this missions organization called World Venture that's been around for 75 years. They used to be the conservative Baptist uh, foreign mission society. <laughs> I think that's right. Sure. If I got it wrong, they're they're, they're going to tell me. I'm sure. But um, <laughs> and so they're called World Venture now, and and so we started to get hooked up with them, and then we started to pray about where uh, where we were, we were supposed to serve because we really had no clue. There was a part of me that kind of wanted to go to Japan because I love sushi, and I was hoping God would put that in there somewhere. Nice, but He didn't have that in mind for us, and <laughs> which I'm thankful for because I don't like sushi. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So. It worked out really well. <laughs> and there was a part of Joy that, that thought we would serve in, in Africa because um, her sister served there for a couple of years. And, um, you know, she just always thought that's where missions were done. But then we started to pray about it. And both of us felt like God was calling us to Europe. And we thought, well, that's different. I wonder why Europe. Mm-hmm. And so my sister and her husband and their two boys, they live up about 30 minutes from where we were at the time in Colorado. And so her, her son had always said that he was going to, for the last like six years, he'd said he was going to be praying that we move overseas. So we told them that we felt like God was calling us to Europe and she just burst into tears and she started crying. And I thought that was kind of odd because it wasn't like Iraq or Sudan or, you know, a dangerous place to be a missionary really in Europe. Although there are some places that are, and so I'd asked her, okay, what's going on? And she said, don't, don't be a missionary in Europe. Europe is really hard. You know, it's really considered like the missionary's graveyard because they come back discouraged and frustrated from not being able to see the fruit of their labor. And some missionaries don't walk with the Lord anymore because it was so difficult for them. And we were like, well, you know, we really feel God directing us in this. And she was like, okay, if that's the case, then um, we were we were asked to go to a a Mozambique conference with World Venture. And she said, while you're there, if God is calling you to Europe, pray that he will confirm it through three people and um, specifically where and narrow it down where in Europe. And keep in mind that at the Mozambique conference, they were trying to recruit missionaries to serve in Mozambique. And so we, we were invited and we thought we'd go, even though we felt called to Europe because we thought, well, maybe this is what God wants for us. Maybe we maybe didn't hear right. And so we, while we were there, I loved what, what they're doing, and I love Roger Schmidt and his family. And, I, and actually, I would have signed up to serve there in a second if God wasn't calling us elsewhere. So any, here's a little plug for Roger and <laughs> what he's doing in Mozambique. If anybody feels called to Africa, specifically like the Mozambique area, look Roger Schmidt up with World Venture. Yeah, he's they're, doing some great stuff. He's doing some good stuff there. During the conference, we, you know, during lunches and stuff, we sat down with World Venture staff. And we were fairly new to World Ventures, so and nobody really knew who we were. And so we were like, "Hey, tell us about your, uh, tell us your story, tell us your upbringing, and and kind of what brought you here." And so I talked about how I actually grew up Catholic, uh, went to Catholic school, and actually was taught by Irish missionary nuns, which is mm. kind of interesting. And went through all the sacraments up to confirmation, and then at confirmation, I, I was having some 
some questions about Catholicism that I wasn't wasn't sure about and I wasn't getting the answers I was looking for. And so I decided not to be confirmed and kind of stepped away from the church. And then a few years later, uh, my brother invited me to church and I became a Christian at a Baptist church in Covina when I was 17. That's when I was baptized. So he shared that with so you. So I shared, I shared that with, with them. That and, we were meeting with. And then um, I grew up with an alcoholic father. So I had a, an alcoholic background. And she had looked at us and she said, oh, wow, with Chris's Catholicism and your alcoholic background with your family, you guys should consider Ireland. I, I laughed out loud like while talking with her. And I said, oh, that's funny. That That's a vacation spot. They don't need missionaries there. And she was like, oh, no, no, they do. We actually have a team there already. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, like, that's weird. But okay, I never wanted to go to Ireland. And so then we were meeting the next or that evening for dinner. Oh, no, the next day. The I next don't know. Day. Anyway. <laughs> um, next day for lunch. Yeah, we met with somebody else and he had asked us the same questions. And so we told him about Chris's Catholic background and the alcoholism in my family. And he said, oh, hey, have you guys considered Ireland? God's doing some big work there. And I really think you guys could could fit in good with the team. And we were like, cool. uh, no. I mean, two two people out of the three that we were praying for now is suggesting Ireland. But I think we'll start praying about that now. And then that night, met with another person. And same thing. Same questions. We gave him the answers. And he said, hey, God's doing a big work in Ireland. Perhaps you guys should consider going there. And we were pretty much floored because there were the three people that had confirmed Europe and specifically Ireland. Mm-hmm. All <laughs> unrelated a, conversations. Yeah. At a Mozambique conference. And so we were like, okay. <laughs> so we met with the team and then uh, started to figure out kind of what the need was, like what's actually going on in Ireland and found out some some pretty extensive spiritual need there. And so that kind of just confirmed for us like, okay, yeah, we need to go. Well, talk me through what the need is that you discovered. Um, why is there such a need for missionaries in, in Ireland? Um, and and that, sure. that's, I think that's interesting about the, the that it's a cultural thing that maybe is getting in the way of no kidding faith. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. One of the things when we first started – the Christianity, evangelical Christians, there was 1.5% of the population of Ireland were evangelical Christians. And we started raising our support in 2014. 2014. So that was four years ago. And the recent census, Census. it has now dwindled to 0.5% of evangelical Christians in Ireland. So it's gone down a full percent in four years. Mm -hmm. And that's that's pretty huge. I mean, that was a big one for us. Yeah. And then, and then we, we, uh, my, my first thought was, well, Ireland is notorious for being just a, a very strong Catholic country. What's the story? Like what's going on there? And what I found out that is going on, number one is that it's more of a cultural identity than it is an actual practicing faith of the people who say they're Catholic. Only three out of 10, uh, actually go to church on a regular basis. In fact, many Catholics in Ireland don't even believe in God, which is kind of strange to me, but they'll admit that. And beyond that, we you know we found out that Ireland is abandoning religion faster than every country on earth except for communist Vietnam. And part of that is because they're, you know, the liberalism that's kind of crossed over from the rest of Europe, uh, Ireland has had so much, oh, how do you say it? It's been so hard for them 
I think for so many years where the, uh, the Irish or the Catholic church just kind of ruled over Ireland and, and there was so much hurt and, you know, associated with it. And, and, you know, religion is associated with war there because of the troubles that a lot of people are just saying, you know what, we're kind of done with religion. And so they're just walking away from it and they're doing things like, was it two years ago? They, um, by popular vote voted to legalize gay marriage 60, you know, it was 80, 80%, 80% 80 of the people who voted voted in favor, which was shocking for Ireland. And then this last two months ago, they overturned a referendum protecting unborn life. Um, and so now abortion is legal in Ireland and they're still working out the details for that. But these are, this is Ireland basically like racing to be the most secular liberal country in, in all of Europe, which is crazy. So that, that was part of what we found. They also struggle with alcoholism. They struggle with suicide because they have a lack of hope. And, um, you know, I think because their, their moral foundation is crumbling now, uh, a lot of people are just like, what's, what's the point? And so they take their own lives um, when things get difficult. So, yeah, there's a lot going on there for sure. It's a, it's a very spiritually dark place right now. Mm. You know, I want to unpack the term evangelical for just a little bit. And, and you use the word liberalism. Man, that is such a hotbed here in the United States. I, I don't know if I, I borrowed this from, from someone or if I made it up. But for me, there is a lot of cultural Christianity in the United States, and then we start to to pin these labels, liberal and conservative, politically on people's faith, and frankly, that scares me, because there are a whole lot of things that Jesus did and said that would be considered liberal, and how do we untangle that in your mind? I, I would say that so when Chris says liberal, he is referring to moving away from what the Bible says mm-hmm. as truth. So, so more secular, probably. Yeah, than so secular for sure. There are there are so many Catholics that have a, a personal faith and relationship with Jesus. So that's not it's not even them being Catholic that's an issue. It's a lack of faith. It's them having no faith whatsoever. Yeah, and so that that I think is more of the problem as opposed to liberalism. It's more secularism going away from the truth of God's word based on their belief. But when you ask the people in Ireland, are they Catholic? And they'll say yes, only because they were they're Irish, and that's yeah. just that's the reason. So yeah. it's not really a liberalism as much as it is going away from the truth of God's word. Yeah. See, that's that's where. I feel your pain in terms of what you guys just said about this spiritually dark place where alcoholism and suicide are apparently on the rise. That mm-hmm. that concerns me a great deal because we see the same thing here in the United States, maybe to a, a little bit lesser degree, but every single week I see people who have lost hope. And that is painful. And my personal concern, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but my personal concern is that when we we bring political issues into that, it makes it much more difficult to offer hope to people who 
are hopeless. And I'm sure that's kind of uh-huh. where you guys are headed too. But I have a lot of different types of people who believe different things on on the Reboots podcast. And I just want to be absolutely crystal clear that the biggest concern is this spiritual void. Yes. Absolutely. In and- fact, in, re- in Ireland, religion and politics was so entwined that I think the new faith that needs to kind of take over in Ireland, it has to be completely separate from politics. Involved, yes, but not not so intertwined in that it, it becomes one again for them. Yeah. And the thing, too, with the with Ireland is that, you know, here in the States, there are churches everywhere where people can find that that hope, that living in active faith. Where in Ireland, there are 70, at least 72 towns with a population of 5,000 people or more who don't have a gospel presence. So there's no Catholic church. There's no Christian church. There's no church Wow. there. And yeah, I mean, that's alarming for me because, you know, you can go to a little town and you can find at least one to two churches there. Even if they're small, oh, sure. there's still a gospel presence where sure. in Ireland, it's just, it's not that way anymore. And that, that for us was the biggest heartbreak, wow. I think, because we're talking about a decline of, of an active and living faith Sure, that Ireland used to have. They used to have that. Right but they no longer have it. So it, it really, for us, it isn't about a a political belief as much as it is, like you had said, Tracy, a, yeah. a spiritual belief and a spiritual hope. People need a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, hey, they yep. desperately need it. I, yeah, 100%. This is a Reboots Rough Cuts episode, edited, mixed, and mastered by Mikhail Kozenkov. I'm Tracy Wenchel, and this special series has been inspired by a a conversation with Mikhail and a group of fellow podcasters during which I expressed frustration and concern about a backlog of beautiful stories that have been growing metaphorical dust on my hard drive because I just hadn't gotten around to editing editing them and publishing them yet. Mikhail offered to help me clear the backlog and to crank out as many episodes as possible by the close of 2018. And this is one of those dozen interviews that will most certainly bring hope to many listeners, maybe even you. Now, if you're a podcaster who is overwhelmed with post-production, or maybe you're not sure how to edit your own podcast, and you want a personal step-by-step walk through the editing and mixing process, or maybe you just want your podcast to sound the very best it can and not have to worry about the editing stage at all, you're going to want to get in touch with my friend, Mikhail. Here's how you get in touch with him. It's podcastsoundfixer at gmail.com. We'll have a link in the show notes. So tell me how this works. You've been preparing. What does all that entail? Um, Sort of digging in culturally? Do you start outreaches with people already? And and you mentioned the factor of, of chemical addiction are you working through programs that help prepare you f- how to deal in those situations? Tell me how that all works. Our missions agent- agency has us go through quite a few trainings to kind of prepare for this, and including cultural training that we went through. And while we were here, 
we were able to do a few things to prepare. Like for instance, um, I, I got a, a graduate certificate in biblical studies that will help me there. I was able to go through a couple um, suicide prevention trainings, one at a Christian church and one at the school that I used to work at, University of Colorado, Denver, which will also be handy there. And so we've been able to go through quite a few trainings to kind of prepare for what we're going to be involved with once we get there. And actually, it's funny that you asked that, too, because so not only will we'll be working in the church that's already been planted there to and also possibly help plant other churches, but there is a it's in the very beginning stages, really early beginning stages of what they're calling a um, compassion house, a compassion house. This is a place where women who don't want to have an abortion can come and there'll be other alternatives to the abortion that is pretty big. Outstanding. Yeah. For the the Irish government, it's cheaper just to have the women have an abortion than for them to take care of them Mm. through the medical system. Because social services is expensive. Yeah. So (laughs) there's that. And then the Compassion House will provide after school care, homework clubs, youth clubs, wow. life coaching services, Christian counseling uh, classes, like teaching life and trade skills and parent toddler groups. It's this, it's in the very beginning stages of it, but mm-hmm. this is a huge dream yeah. of the team in Ireland, but it's really neat. And this is something that I am like, woohoo, totally in favor of yeah. because it's not just the American missionaries coming in and dreaming it, but the church that's already been planted there. They're the ones that are dreaming it. We're just trying to help get it started so that they can be the ones to really run it. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. I want to respect your time. And I, I've got one more quick question. I'll make sure that we put a bow on that in terms of Irish males in culture and pulling back the spiritual leadership factor. Mm-hmm. How do you turn that giant ship so that um, Irish males once again care about being as a spiritual leader and actually even care about their own spiritual growth in their families? That's a good question. My master's degree from a business standpoint is actually in leadership development. And when I, when we were called to, to serve there, I asked the field leader there, Hey, I'd like to do some kind of leadership development course here. Um, Cause I've been leading one at my church for a few years with another pastor. He designed it and I just helped him lead it. And, uh, I was like, I'd like to do something like this. And he said, that would be great. But if you say leadership, um, no one will show up. So <laughs> Because uh, the Irish men don't like to be led and they don't like to lead. Yeah, it's kind so. of a weird conundrum. He said, if you could take that program, come in and, and call it more like a discipleship or some kind of biblical training and, and turn that into a leadership program where you're, where you're developing leaders in the church that will stand up and be, especially the men who will stand up and be the spiritual leaders in the church. That would be huge. Women are included too. They're, mm-hmm. they're welcome to go through it for sure. Um, I went through it. But the, yeah, Joy went through it when we did it here. Yeah. But it's the men that I'm really worried about because a lot of them are, pre- are pretty disengaged from spiritual leadership mm-hmm. in their families and in the church. I'll tell you a secret that you may already know, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. Henry Cloud and John Townsend and Saddleback do a tremendous job of doing no kidding leadership training for all of us in Celebrate Recovery who volunteer. And we just, they just wrapped up uh, the summit at Saddleback. They do an East Coast summit and a West Coast summit. It's nothing more than leadership training 
and striving for excellence so that we can go forth and love people inside the church and outside the church and bring them to Jesus. That's a secret. Ooh. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> I'll have to look into that. Yeah. Well, say a word. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's pretty spectacular. And sitting in that three or four days of training back in 2016 in Tennessee helped me understand what Reboots was going to be all about. Mm. Leadership and destigmifying the 12-step process because that's nothing more than the Beatitudes. We just call it something different. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what you guys are apparently headed toward in Ireland, and I just think that's exciting and spectacular and wonderful. Tell Thank me you. how we can help you. So we are currently raising our support. Um, our, our missions agency won't let us leave until we're 100%, which is completely understandable. And so we are at 71%. We've been raising support for almost four years. And so we were praying hard, and you guys can pray with us too, that this is the last few months that we'll be in here in Colorado. Um, we're actually moving this coming Saturday to a borrowed house up in Erie, Colorado, and we're hoping that that'll be the last time we have to move here. And then we can, the next move can be up into Ireland. But to do that, we need more supporters, more, more partners, basically, uh, who are financially behind us. So what that looks like is um, we need roughly about 29 new partners at about $100 a month. What? Or 58. 58 at, at, 50. at 50, if that's how. <laughs> yeah, if we want to break it down even further. Yeah. And then we can get up to that um, 100% and finally get, mm -hmm. get going and, and start our, our work there. God is good, and, and he's done a lot of great things for us while we've still been here preparing, um, but we are ready to go. Um, we, our hearts are just aching to get there. If someone wants more information or they want to make a pledge, how do, how do they do that? You would basically go to www.worldventure.com slash C.J. Copeland, or C for Chris and J for Joy. And that is where you, and on that page, you'll, you can read information about what we're going to be doing and what's going on. And there's also a, a button on there to give. And so you can do that online. It's pretty easy to set up. And if you have questions, you can ask through that website as well. Yeah, you can email us um, through that website. And if you wanted to meet and hear more, we'd love to give you our, our story and our presentation and, and share with you more about the details. There's a lot we couldn't share today. You know, we have, we can talk through you. We can Skype with you no matter where in the country you are. And that would help us. I'm looking at a at your picture now, and oh my goodness, those those boys are handsome and <laughs> joy. You've got that beautiful red hair cooking. Y'all just look like you're a, an Irish family. Oh, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> and that was about a year ago. Our, our boys are actually taller than us now. Wow, that's amazing. Are they are they good with this? What are they What are they thinking? Our middle son, for a long time, had said that he wants to be a sheep rancher. He told us that before we were called to the mission field, and we kind of laughed at him. And then when we said we were going to Ireland, he was like, woohoo, told you, kind of a thing. He's he's still working through the logistics of that and what that would look like. But So he is pretty much on board with it. Our oldest son, he has said that he is not meant to live in the United States. He feels like he is called more to South America. And so... By getting him out of the American culture and over to the Irish culture, he'll be at least having some idea. And then we'll send him over to Peru probably next summer <laughs> to, to see how things are there. But so he's on board for getting out of the States. And our youngest, you know, he, he just wants to be an actor. 
And so in that, he wants to draw people to Christ. And so he wants to get involved with the youth, too, in Ireland. And our boys will have a bigger ministry, I think, than we will because of the the need that the youth have yeah, it's, for Christ. It's, it's the younger most most of the of the huge statistics for suicide are the it's the younger men and women, the yeah. teens and the young men that are that are taking their own lives. So these guys will be thrown right into ministry to those folks yeah. that, wow. that really need to hear about the hope of Jesus. Have they have they had some training too? They yeah. have gone through the some of similar training that we have, but what's even it's sad to an extent as well, but they have had friends here in the States who have talked to them about committing suicide. Mm-hmm. So they have had a, uh, a real life training wow. in that way. The need is so strong everywhere. Um, Absolutely. So uh, joy, I just, I, I, I didn't mean to just kind of to brush past it, but I just want you to know how amazing and courageous you are to to battle anxiety and to go off into the unknown. There are times when anxiety overwhelms me too, and I have been on medication right now. Praise God, I'm I'm okay, but I'm Yay. willing to go back there again. But I just I just want to lean into this thing that you're doing and acknowledge that. And that's amazing. Thank you for being so vulnerable and for sharing that with us. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. Is there anything else that I missed before I let you guys get on with the rest of your day? I don't think so. No. no. Yeah, you asked yeah. great questions. <laughs> yeah. we, we've really enjoyed our time with you. Absolutely. And I, and I, you, thank you so much, guys. And we're going to be in touch. And God bless you guys. Thank Thanks. you so much, Tracy. For more about the Copelands and their efforts to relocate to Europe, check out worldventure.com forward slash Copeland. A link is in the show notes at rebootspodcast.com RR04. I'm Tracy Winchell, and we'll see you next time. Deo Valente. We hope this episode has helped you in some way. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe someone you care about might benefit from the Reboots podcast. It's easy to share from our website, rebootspodcast.com The Reboots Podcast is a production of Winchell Storyworks Incorporated a company dedicated to helping businesses and individuals know, share and live their stories in order to impact the world around us in a positive way and to achieve financial freedom.